Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roma's Man Cave. I am so sick right now, so if I sound funny and I'm a little bit slow at this, please forgive me. Um, today's topic is about men's rights are human rights, because whenever I talk about men's rights, a lot of people, even men, turn away from my channel because men's rights is in the title. And the reason why they turn away from it is because they're always thinking to themselves, well, what rights don't men have? And it's really funny to me because it shows a very high lack of understanding of when it comes to just men as human beings and what they might struggle with or go through. When people respond with what rights don't men have, I chuckle because human rights are rights. So if we take away from the fact that men don't have automatic rights to their children, you know, men don't have a right to speak on their issues, to respond to toxic feminists on the internet without automatically getting labeled as misogynistic or problematic. And even people who try to host safe spaces for men, they get labeled as problematic or they get censored. I'm somebody who deals with that constantly as every single one of my videos on YouTube that talks about men's mental health specifically just got targeted. So many of them that I got a strike on my channel because one of them involved a woman beating her boyfriend with bread. And I guess that was violent enough for YouTube to pull it down. But I did notice a common theme with all of the videos that were reported in which they all had to do with men's mental health. Whenever I try to open a Twitter space on Twitter, talking about men's issues, I always have trouble. I always have to try to restart it about one, two, sometimes three times. And I've noticed an issue specifically whenever I put men's mental health in the title. So it's really funny to me about all this, not even funny, but it's more insulting, I think, is the fact that a lot of feminists and a lot of this rhetoric on social media from feminists involves, well, if men don't want to struggle as much, if they don't want to be dealing with such a high suicide rate, then maybe they should just focus on their mental health. They should just follow women's lead is something that I've heard before. But what's funny about that is anytime somebody comes up on social media and talks about men's mental health, that's always labeled as violent misogyny. If you take Andrew Tate, for example, I'm not a fan of him due to personal racial reasons. The stuff he says on the internet, I think some of it is just for views and for reactions. And the other half of it kind of makes sense. But when you get down to the fundamentals of what this guy talks about, seven times out of 10, he's telling guys to take care of themselves, take care of their mental health, go to the gym, don't date a girl who her income that consists of her squatting over a toilet playing hide the household products up her cooter for $3.99 on OnlyFans. But whenever that's come out, that is labeled as violent misogyny. It's unacceptable. And at the same time, men just need to focus on their mental health. They need to cater to their mental health more, but they're not actually allowed to do this. There's no safe place for them to do it. A listener named Kenneth would like to speak, so I'm going to add him on. And hello, gentlemen. How are you today? And let me know what your thoughts are so far. Again, everybody listening, I'm so sorry that I sound so off. I am very sick and like, struggling to breathe, if I'm being honest. But 
I really wanted to do this as I promised I was going to do this. So with that being said, Kenneth, please save me here. <laughs> Take it away. Oh, no, I don't think Kenneth is ready. Okay, we will let this miss speak. Okay. Is my microphone? Yes, it's a microphone. You're good. Go ahead now. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you say about f modern feminism. Because nowadays, pretty much nowadays, is it's very much biased. The media and stuff like that. Media, especially in on, on the media. Say YouTube, like you, I don't know many things about how are you saying double the media standards. itself. Yeah, double standards. Double standards is biased. It, it it becomes it has become very biased. Double standards, Andrew Tate, all of those other creators have become very, very much canceled. Then they judged. To the fullest extent that you don't hear about entertaining anymore. You don't hear about other other influencers, male influencers like that. And yeah, and then then you see these girls doing their TikToks, doing all this stuff. Like, yeah, like immature immaturity pretty much about feminism nowadays. That's my that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I really heard what you were saying when you were talking about the double standards on social media and with the trends. I have seen many, many trends pop up that involve either physically abusing your boyfriend or emotionally abusing him. Some examples would be that trend that was going around where you sit beside your boyfriend having a calm conversation. Sorry, pardon me. I'm about to cough. <coughs> You're sitting beside him having a very calm conversation and the moment he speaks to you calmly, you say, why are you yelling at me? And you start yelling at him. That was the trend. And so many guys who were unwilling participants of this trend would actually shut down when their girlfriends would start screaming at them. And you could see them kind of reliving a trauma. And this was always um, laughed at. There's a couple that I, I, I can't remember their name right now, but I believe they are a Spanish or like Latino couple and their whole thing, it's, it's Milani and some other guy. And their whole thing is her just being abusive, screaming at him, emasculating him. Um, and, and that's a whole thing. That's their whole shindig. It's I, I don't really understand why. And the double standards when it comes to uh, domestic violence and violence on genders has always been there because if we look back at sitcoms even, um, back in the sitcoms, the comedic scenes were always a guy um, getting hit by the girl and the guy hitting the girl, that was never a funny scene. And we see that in movies today even, you know, that's always a very serious that's domestic violence, but in a lot of comedy shows, even way back in the 50s and the 60s, it was this comedic, funny thing whenever a wife struck her husband. So with that being said, I think Tommy wanted to speak. Sorry, Tommy, I had to mute your mic just to make sure that it's cohesive and um, one at a time. But go ahead.
No worries. Thank you for taking my uh, my input here. It's not just the media. I mean, it, the, I think the biggest culprit with regards to how men are treated really stems from the legal system because as a male going through a divorce proceedings, they have no leg to stand on. Um, the, the, the wife, the ex-wife, the soon-to-be ex-wife can make pretty much any allegation, and it's so common for just whoever the judge is or the magistrate or whoever's officiating or, you know, adjudicating this believes whatever the wife says without any evidence. And I can come from personal experience where I was accused of domestic violence with no witnesses. And my ex literally told the judge, I didn't see him do it, but it was a strange coincidence that this thing happened. And when it was my turn to speak, I got about five words out before the, 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 the commissioner literally told me to shut up and that I was an extreme danger to my ex, despite having no previous uh, calls for, for DV, having no criminal record whatsoever, okay? And for two and a half years, I was a restricted individual and I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And the slightest mishap would have found me in jail. So the legal system really needs to be gone through and you know, we talk about equal rights, right? Well, it doesn't exist in family court. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. It it doesn't. I think I as a mother, I am scared by the thought that anybody could just come into my house and take my child just because I pissed them off. But that's the reality for dads. The reality for dads is if it doesn't work out with the mom, the mom can use that child as a weapon. That mom can make up lies in court. And most of the time, society will defend her. And, you know, it reminds me of soft power because whenever we talk about who has power you know, in society or in a relationship, we always hear it being spoken as like, you know, the man has the power, but nobody ever really acknowledges the soft power that women hold, right? So when we talk about like power, like I said, it's usually who has money, wealth, political influence. And yeah, that's usually men who are up in the one top 1%. But what about all the men who are not CEOs, right? They live under this guideline underneath women that's called soft power. And an example of that is just do whatever she tells you to. She's always right. Happy wife, happy life. Just do whatever your wife tells you to. So these are like more than just crude jokes. The reality of it is, is that this is soft power and it is what men live under this ideology that they do come second to women especially you know women and children that's not a secret that they've come first for a long time but even when we're looking at social issues i see tweets and comments and videos from girls all the time when i talk about false allegations in the family courts or even in you know outside the family courts and legal courts i always hear women say well that's nothing compared to what these actual victims are going through, actual, as if men of false allegations are not somehow victims, as if they don't somehow face the same 
um, scrutiny as somebody who isn't believed. I'm not talking about, you know, a, a man who's been hit with a false allegation. He has the same scrutiny as, you know, a rape victim. That's not what I'm saying. If the allegation is rape, for example, what I'm saying is, is that the implications of a man who is falsely accused can feel the same and looks the same as a woman who has made an accusation and she's not believed. It's the same thing. Society often shuns her. They question her. They bully her. They belittle her. She loses family supports, community supports. And this is what happens with guys with false allegations as well. And this is the whole idea of soft power that men have to kind of tiptoe around on eggshells. And, you know, this happens a lot in marriage. A study showed that 72 married couples, so a study of 72 married couples in Iowa, found that the wives on average exhibited greater situational power in the form of domineering and dominant behaviors than their husbands in problem-solving discussions. So what that means is that women, 43% of those 72 couples, 43%, the women made the majority of the decisions. Only 26%, the men made the majority of the decisions in the marriage. And 31% was equally divided. Um, Kenneth or Tommy, I think you had something to add if you want to add. I know that I went off a little bit there. No, no, you're fine. And the other kind of the long-standing effects of that one allegation that literally no evidence was provided, no evidence was given, and her own testimony basically, you know, uh, impeached her own her own claim, you know, that effectively works as a conviction for domestic violence. And so over the next five years, I was unable to get any sort of normal job whatsoever, and I could never figure it out because I, I ran extensive background checks and there was no record of it in there. But I would get instantly turned down for jobs that I was well qualified for for a matter of five years. And even now to this day, I can't get a job in the field that I was in prior. And I'm going through a lengthy and costly process to get those records expunged and you know, a lot of folks don't realize the, the, the longstanding effects of even a bogus allegation that can that rather than go through the normal criminal justice system that requires, you know, uh, uh, the um, burden of proof. OK, in family court, the burden of proof is the lowest level there is, which is more likely than not. OK, so basically it just go it just goes down to whoever the judge or commissioner believes. And in the U.S., you have commissioners that are not elected judges that they have they can have the absolute worst reputation um, as an attorney and oh. still be in this particular you know segment uh, uh, to adjudicate cases based on whatever whatever whims that they have throughout you know that given day. And in my situation, you know, you, you look at the, the the name of this commissioner and you look up their name and it. There's just hundreds and hundreds of complaints from from, you know, from men that 
this commissioner didn't even bother listening to a very similar experience to mine. And so these people are being put in a position of, of power to adjudicate that they are required, one would think, to actually listen to and have, you know, weigh evidence. But when no evidence is given, they still effectively issue a conviction that may not have any criminal implications, but longstanding implications nonetheless, because your rights are stripped away for just normal, just having normal existence. And it's, 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 it's something that, you know, in this legal system in the U.S., it's absolutely abhorrent. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I always kind of joke a little bit, although it's not really a joke, but it's that it's not in the family courts, it's not, or in domestic violence court, it's not innocent until proven guilty. It's, you know, innocent until proven a man. <laughs> but with that being said, I believe Kenneth had something to add. And just a reminder to you guys, you'll see down at the bottom of your screen a little heart with a plus button. If you push that, you can just hit the little hand up emoji, and that shows that um, you would like to speak next. If we use that, that makes it so that the conversations stay cohesive and, you know, nobody accidentally speaks over each other. So with that being said, uh, I believe it's Kenneth and then we have listener Miss Hysteria, oh, who's one of my moderators and my friends. And then a few other people would like to speak as well. So I think I'm going to hop off and I'm just going to allow you guys to do your thing and I'll add the speakers as each turn it goes, if that makes sense. Kenneth, you're up first. Yeah, nowadays what is happening nowadays is that we have become very, society has become very, very biased and truly because of that, I feel like, like, I'm like, I'm not gonna, without saying, sounding, sounding so, so biased myself, like girls, women especially, are becoming more successful, like even more successful than men are usually nowadays, in my opinion. That's my opinion. Successful? Yeah, not just more successful, but like more, more, much more, much more likely to get a job, much more likely to stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you very much that very, very much that women are very much on a more of an equal playing field with men now than ever. And so why they're uh, why women aren't respecting that and treating men's issues as if they matter the same. I'm not sure. Uh, but with that being said, I think it's Miss Hysteria. And then we have another listener. Uh, I can only see Loner GP. So that's as much as I can see, but Miss Hysteria, take it away. You just have to hit the little. Oh, here we go. Okay. okay we go. I've I've never like done Twitter, so um, I just wanted to say that um, I have experience dealing with the family courts, and I will say a hundred percent, Tommy is absolutely right. Um, they do not. Uh, it has been biased against men. Uh, since the beginning of, you know, any 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 adjudication when it came to family court system has always been biased against men. I have seen uh, full-on, uh, you know, drug addicts who are, you know, the mothers, talking about the mothers, who um, have left their babies in, in the cold, like forgot them on the porch all night, and DCS took them. And then they make the fathers 
take sensitivity training just to be around their children because they just assume that they don't have the maternal instinct. And it doesn't matter if, you know, there's uh, there was a guy who had all these text messages proving that the, the mother of his child lied, said that she was going to lie, said that she was going to call him. Hey, I don't know what the like internet safe word is, but, but dealing with children and uh, said that she was going to accuse him of doing things to their daughter. And they still had to go through the process of eliminating that as being a possibility. Even though she, they, he had proof. He had proof that she lied. And they didn't care because they said they had to be safe because he was a man. But you can look at a woman and go, hey, she actually left her baby outside and, you know, less than 20 degree weather for six hours. And they'll still look at the father and go, well, you need to take some parenting courses. You need to take sensitivity training. And I have seen men who don't have any kind of abuse or anything on their record still having to take anger management just to receive custody of their children. To me, that is insane. And I just, it's, I've seen it happen. I've seen it play out. And it, to me, it's, it's gross. And it's a complete um, miscarriage of justice, at least for me and my, my perspective. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there that I've seen it firsthand that Tommy is absolutely correct. And it's not getting better. It's getting worse because um, he is right about that too. In civil court and family court, um, the odds of it being true have to be 52% or greater. Um, there can be a whole lot of gray area. And if, you know, the mother gets two people, two of her friends to come in and say it's true, then they're going to automatically assume that it most likely happened. But the odds of getting any kind of conviction from a civil um, case almost never happens because there's never enough proof to take it to a criminal charge, but it's enough to take a father away from his children. So I don't understand that. I've never understood that. And it just, to me, it goes on. Sorry, I'm not trying to prat on, but that was just my thoughts on what he had said. No, I appreciate it. And before I, I let uh, Loner GP go on, I just want to add to that in the aspect that, you know, there are many, many, many documented cases of, you know, fortunately, there were judges who saw right through it. But I've personally read through these case files from um, their public access, family courts. I believe the, the bunch that I was looking from were out of... Uh, maybe Tennessee, I don't remember. But the point is, is that there are many documented cases where a judge has caught a mother intentionally making allegations of inappropriate touching whenever the child comes home from visits uh, from the dad. And some of these mothers will actually go as far to take, most of these mothers, pardon me, will go as far as to take the children to the 
to, to the children's hospital to go get these invasive exams where, you know, eventually what inevitably what is ending up happening is these children actually are getting violated by doctors for no reason. And not that it's the doctor's intention, but when they have to do these exams on children to see if they have been sexually abused, it's very invasive. So inevitably what ends up happening is the very thing that should not be happening, the mother knows isn't happening. And these doctors have reported time and time again, no, this isn't happening. No, there's no evidence of this. And fortunately, doctors are getting better and pediatricians are getting better at being able to identify, uh, you know, vindictive, alienating parents who do this stuff um, but mothers have actually lost custody, and those are just the cases where they've been caught. You know, we have to think about all the other cases where mothers have made allegations, and it's just been believed right away, which is more than ever, ever should be. Uh, with that being said, it is uh, Loner GP's turn to go. Go ahead. Welcome. Thank you, Chloe. I am a big fan of you. Um, I do want to start off by saying that uh, all of you are making very valid points. I am currently... Uh, serving child support at the moment um and it, it's very unfair because my child's mother uh she won't allow me to get him i have to play by her rules in order to get him and when i call these hotlines they tell me to call they all tell me the same thing that they're they can't do anything about it uh they can just give me advice to go get a lawyer and for some strange reason they say that it's a civil matter so it's nothing the courts can do about it because she ha i have to personally take her to court which makes no sense uh, because if I wasn't paying my child support, uh, the courts will come and pick me up and take me off to jail. And, and it, it's not fair at all. And right now I'm battling to go back to court to change a couple things for our terms. But I'm supposed to get him every other weekend. And she has not been abandoned by that. I even called the law enforcement over, gave them the paperwork. And they told me, well, there's nothing we can do about it, sir, because the judge's signature is not on there. And that doesn't make any sense because that makes that whole document invalid. And if so, that means I shouldn't be paying child support until that document becomes valid. And and right now it's very hard on me. And I know it's tough on a lot of men uh, right now. Um, and I would like to say keep your head up and hold it up high. But it, it, I, I'm going through what you're going through. So I know it's very hard and depressing, especially when all of your money is going towards child support and other people's bills where you barely have enough money to, to eat yourself. You have to bag and ax and, and, you know, put yourself into debt to, so you can get the necessities you need in life because you can't afford it at the moment. So if there's any guys in here who are going through what I'm going through, sir, please just, uh, you know, do what you have to do to fight and keep fighting. Thank you for letting me speak. Oh my goodness. Am I the only one who like just feels heaviness on their chest? Uh, I know it's not my sickness. I'm really sorry that you're going through that. I can really, I feel like I could really feel like the hurt that you're going through. And I think about this all the time when it comes to dads. And it's something that I really want to be a part of changing in the future is the fact that so many, you know, fathers, their value is still placed in whether or not they can provide. And it's not placed 
as much and whether or not they can like care and nurture and love their children. And the reason for that is because we groom boys right from little to be workers, to be quote unquote productive members of society. Whereas women, we're groomed right from little with our dolls and our kitchen toys and stuff to provide within our home. But what's ended up happening is that, you know, this isn't the old times anymore. Fathers actually want to be there for their kids. They want to raise their kids. They're more than happy to do it. But what's happening is that their child support is being put so high that they have to work these long hours to the point where they only get to see their kids every other weekend. They don't get to have that time with their kid. And then it's easy for the mom to say, oh, well, the kids have to remain with me because, look, dad works all the time or X, Y, Z. And, you know, I, my partner and I were not together. We decided to not be you know, in a relationship, so to speak, as soon as we decided to bring a little baby into this world at 24 and 25, we decided that was more important. And seeing him be a father to our child is like the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And the thought of him only being able to see our baby every other weekend is just gut wrenching. And it's not fair to all the men who have to go through that, especially the men who go from being around their children every single day to every other weekend. I mean, that is just the most disgusting, as Miss Hysteria said, miscarriage of justice that I've ever seen. The family courts are going to talk so much about doing what's best for the kids. Well, then they need to actually buck up and realize that kids need both their parents. They don't need a mom who is excused to not work while the dad works his ass off and never gets to see his kids, like those kids struggle. But with that being said, I believe it's Aaron's turn. And then uh, Dodd, I don't want to mispronounce your name, but go ahead, sir. All right. So you said my name correctly. Um, I'm Aaron. Um, and <laughs> this is an emotional topic for me. Um, I'm a little over 30 years past. Um, going through what you guys are talking about. And I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> because I got custody of my kids, both my sons. And it, it breaks my heart to see men struggling to have a relationship with their children. Um, it truly does. Because when I was going through my trials, I'll call it... Um, uh, I raged alone by myself. I sat in my house without my kids. Um, I went through Christmas alone. You know, I did a couple of things. But then I uh, I became determined that I was, I was going to raise my sons. I was going to be the one. And I got my sons. I got the house. I got the kitchen sink. I got the whole nine yards. All the debt everything and I declined child support because I just wanted my kids to be raised in a happy home and grow up as strong confident men and I think that one thing that we do wrong today is we fail our sons we fail to teach them that it's okay to say no to pursuing the girl um, because there's so much peer pressure now. Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have this? You know, are you hanging out with this chick? Oh, she's good looking. You know, all that stuff. Um, my youngest son, he, he, 
he's only ever had one girlfriend. Um, and he found out she cheated on him. And my advice to him was forgive her, but the bond between you two is forever broken. You cannot accept her back. I'm sorry um, is acceptable, but the bond is broken. And it was in that discussion that I realized that he was paying attention to what I went through with his mother. Because when we were going through a divorce, um, his mother and I, um, in the courtroom, um, she actually, the judge asked her about affairs or cheating or whatever. And she had 11 affairs in 12 years. And um, the judge looked at her and, and she referred to it as something different. Um, and she had accused me of um, domestic abuse, by the way. And, and that's the whole reason I wanted to talk about this was um, she tried to position me as someone who was um, overly aggressive and um, abusive. And it wasn't true. Um, my entire history, I, I'm an Air Force brat. I mean, I, I grew up in the military, you know, accountability, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is I was raised with accountability. And my, um, in that conversation with my son, in realizing that he, he understood based on my own actions, how I behaved, um, how I handled myself through difficult circumstances. Um, that sent a message to him. And that was about 13 years after we actually, you know, became our own little family, um, separate from their mother. Um, and, he is now with a young lady and they have a child. Um, and we had conversation this past week, um, interestingly enough. And the conversation kind of went along the lines because I was teasing, teasing him about um, getting married because they have a child. And it was just kind of jestful play. Um, but he cornered me out in the garage and he's like, Dad, are you trying to tell me that I need to marry her? And I was like, absolutely not, son. Absolutely not. Um, that is a personal decision that only you can make. Um, and then he went in to describe to me um, where he's at because he's in the military. And she's going to school and he's paying all the bills and she doesn't work and all the things. Um, but he's like, Dad, you know, I don't want to marry her now because she may graduate school and become very successful and I may be stuck in a 60 K year job and I don't want to hold her back. And I mean, <laughs> I didn't even have words at that point. I'm like, how in the fuck did we get here? And I apologize for my language, but it's like, how did we get here today where we're at, where these young ladies are raised up, to, to believe 
Um, that they can have anything and everything they want. They just have to jump from man to man to man to man um, and say whatever they want if they're not getting their way to get their way. Um, it's just, I was born, I'm 56, guys, so um, my perspective on things is a little bit different probably than yours. But this whole, um, and, and Chloe, I follow you on, or I followed you on TikTok. I think you probably got permanently banned. But anyway, I appreciate the heck out of what you do to support men. Um, and um, it, it's, it's disappointing and discouraging to see where we're at today, today, um, with this whole debate and to the fathers who are on here that do not have custody, um, who have shared custody. Um, I would just encourage you to remain faithful to your children. Even if you cannot see them, the example that you give is what they will remember about you. And when they are grown, while you may not get the opportunity to see the first baseball game or the first this or the first that, um, as a father, as grown, as having missed a couple of things, um, I can tell you that your adult children will share their experiences with you if you let them. And that's all I got. Damn. Can we just give like a round of applause in the chat or something? Just like, where's, where's my clapping emoji? <laughs> wow. Thank you so much. First and foremost, thank you so much for um, being vulnerable and, you know, feeling that this is a safe space for you to, you know, show emotions because that's not easy for men. And I personally feel honored that you felt that this was a safe enough space to open up and, you know, share those emotions with me. So first and foremost, thank you, because it's a great example to other men as well. And um, as well as, you know, you really nailed it when you said that the best thing that you can really do is just be a good example for, you know, your sons, any man listening in the world, if you have a son or even a daughter, you know, the best thing you can do is just be a good example for them, especially your sons, because boys are groomed. They are groomed. We always talk about how little girls are groomed to, you know, be housewives and this and that. And that's very true. I have a little girl and I have a little boy. I have both. And I see the difference in their toys and the way the world talks to them even. And, you know, even how you said about the girlfriend thing. It's, you know, if your little boy comes home at grade one, dad, I got two girlfriends. What? You know, that's awesome. That's hilarious. But the girl comes home. Home. You better not have a boyfriend till you're 30. You know, there is this ideology that men's worth is very much based around, uh, you know, growing up, finding a wife, having a family and providing. And I think men really, I mean, there's, you know, there's people who are very traditional and really, you know, believe in that and believe in working the nine to five and providing. And I respect that. But I also know that there are a lot of men who just don't really want that. And they don't deserve to be emasculated for that either. If they would like to just go and, uh, you know, rent a mansion with four of their buddies until they're 35. Why the hell can't they do that? Us women do shit like that, and that's celebrated. So, you know, it, I really appreciate what you said about 
um, being good examples for your boys and, you know, even just like showing emotions and being vulnerable. That's a really big thing for boys. Uh, with that being said, Dodd, I think, I hope I'm saying your name right. I think it was you and then Miss Hysteria. And then I have to wrap this up because it's about 9.05 at night. And yeah, I'm like just trucking along to breathe here. <laughs> hey, can you guys hear me? Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah, I just wanted to also think it's, his name is Aryan or the last person. Uh, the last point he made, it was very awesome. Is like, uh, if you let your children or your sons or your daughters, if they can share it with you, they will share. And I'm trying to be that person. I just wanted to share that. And um, I had a personal experience currently still going on. And um, so just a little background about me is I graduated. I'm 21 and I graduated from high school. And as an honorary, I got an uh, after-school uh, job to teach the students from, my, from the same school that I graduated. So I was teaching high school and middle school students. And I taught for four years. Um, and what happened this year in month of May was a girl decided, so they were playing with condoms. I don't know. I don't want uh, this uh your speech to go a block because of the words but they were playing with uh sexual items around the school and they were going around around the area and stealing stuff bringing to the school so i warned them to you know like not do them and they got annoyed by it by it and then because they were girls she told me that she had uh, accused another teacher before that she that he assaulted her and he got in trouble and she will do the same. And from that time on, I knew she was trouble. So I was trying to avoid her. And every conversation after onwards, from that onwards, I recorded every conversation I had with all the students. Usually they were like about their homeworks. You know, the COVID time, we had all the online stuff. So it was everything was online through social media. And this girl decided that she was accused, so we were just going back into the the norm. And for four years, I worked in that uh, in the different locations, and nobody had complained. Just this girl, and I was surprised by the by the quickness of how quickly it escalated, and it went to uh, CRS in Canada. It's like uh, criminal record for students. I give me one second. It's called ANCR, Child and Family, All Nations kind of corner response network. And it went to them. And the next thing I know, two days later, I have two people at the back of my house asking about my, uh, asking about me and like about my well-being and how I behave. And they even went to my uh, siblings. I have a eight-year-old sibling and they went to his school to ask him how your be brother behaves. And I was like, what the heck? And uh, for my surprise, all my coworkers mostly were men. I had only two, so it's it, it was so the way it's structured is two males, two females, so like half half. But on the day the incident happened, there was one of staff available, 
the one's female staff available and three male staff available, including myself. And the 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 guys from the from the ACNR they just ignored their 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 words that I have never done them and I've worked for four years. And uh, even all the other students that have uh, that I have you know taught for four years and some of them have even graduated. Uh, them like they did not took their any of their words, and I was like surprised by that. So, and the worst part is, I have I haven't seen my students. I just did last week, I believe. Yeah, it was last week they had a function, and I had to ask permission from them to go see my students after eight months. And the good part was I had evidence, even with including evidence that had proof that I had nothing. And like, because I screen recorded my uh, all my conversations. I don't know. I I'm a tech person, so I've been doing that for a while. And I would like to tell you guys, uh, as a reminder, I don't know, uh, if you can, any stranger, especially women. I don't know. Not offending the women here, but uh, I have I have been on the safe side, so I just want to share my experience. That even with the evidence, it took eight months. And after they showed them the evidence, after eight months, the student agreed that they had made a false allegation. Even after that, I ha I still have I don't I still don't have my job, and it was a very well paying. It was fifteen bucks an hour. You know, in in Canada, your minimum wage is eleven, and if you're getting fifteen for a first time job, it's it's the best of the both worlds. And the 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 part that I miss the most is. I I love my students and I love teaching youth and adults or like young adults to to be better humans because that's what I strive for and I and I lacked as a immigrant because I am coming from a third world country. So what I'm saying is it's not just for men. It's even going to the the smallest increments and even she had a track record of accusing us a staff member, the, the school teacher, for the same act, it's still, they still consider her uh, testimony against mine. And and it happened. And it's like, and even I had evidence, I still can't go back to my job and I'm not getting any other job. So I just wanted to share that, that, uh, I don't know, men, be safe. And if you're having, if you think there's some trouble, Make sure you record everything, and still be and still be on the lookout for, uh, I don't know, for your for your loss of job. Yeah, well, that's that's my story, and I hope I I get my job back because I really love it. But at this point, I I am also hesitant to get back the job because if I go back and they do another claim, that's what they told me that if, if that student or that another student just for the fun of it, or if they know that you're in trouble and just try to do that, this time you're going to jail. So I'm like, oh, I wanna, do I want to risk myself? So, yeah, I don't know. Stay safe, men. That's all. And thank you very much, Chloe. Wow, thank you so much for sharing. I Yeah, I think that there's a great, I'm so sorry you went through that.
I think the greatest moral of the story there is absolutely like I did not take any offense when you said like record your interactions and keep yourself safe. I as a woman, I support that 100% because, you know, if I'm not up to anything sneaky, then I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't um, mind, you know, why would I care if somebody is trying to protect themselves? I should know that I as a woman, that's soft power, right? I have the power to say whatever and potentially most likely change a man's life forever. Uh, with that being said, Miss Hysteria, I believe is the last one to speak. And then I'm going to close it down. Um, okay, so I just wanted to say, can, can anybody hear me? I don't know if it's working. Yes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say that it takes an immense amount of bravery for every one of you that came up here and told your story. And I am completely taken aback that, you know, you guys know that Chloe is a safe place to come to to talk about tough things. And I want to tell you that it's not <clears throat> wrong to talk about what bad happened to you. Um, and when you feel comfortable, you know, talk about it publicly, talk about it, you know, because people can learn from that. Um, if you are struggling in a custody case or a DCS case or anything to do with the court system, family court, and you are struggling to afford an attorney, um, if you are in the United States, you can get a hold of your state bar association and see if they have any lawyers available pro bono, which means free. Um, there are a lot of people, a lot of lawyers that will take your case. Um, so that would be my suggestion as, as your first step. Um, even if you want to go for custody, um, same thing, get a hold of your bar association and see if they have any openings because every lawyer has to take a certain amount of pro bono cases a year. So if you get put on a waiting list, then be put on that waiting list. Cause even if you have a lawyer pop up in the middle of your case, there's a lawyer that popped up because if not, I've seen it happen time and time again where they get railroaded. And, um, uh, another thing is your kids, if they are younger, they will not always be younger. They will get older. And once they get older, they're going to look at the situation for what it is. Um, I've had plenty of kids talk about, you know, um, well, my mom did this to my dad and that wasn't fair. And a lot of times it damages the relationship with the other parent. So don't give up hope because your children definitely have minds of their own. And they will come to you about it. All you can do is just be honest with them. And, you know, I've seen it. You know, there's kids. They'll get a hold of you. Even if, you know, they, you can't right now. It's not over. Your relationship with them is not over just because the mother said, now's not the time. Or, you know, pulled her stupid stuff. I'm trying. I, I cuss a lot. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to. But... It's not over. You haven't lost. And in the end, the, the mother will lose. Because your kids are going to see what's going on. They're going to see who's attacking who. And you'll be able to get through it. You, and you're definitely not alone. This is an epidemic that nobody talks about. I mean, <clears throat> Chloe got uh, 
shut down for seven days on YouTube because she talked about the importance of mental health for men. And it is just because that's offensive. Not, you know, all these other horrible people that post things and do things on YouTube. Now, what she's doing is supposedly offensive. So you need to understand it's a movement. It's a slow moving one, but it's a movement. And more and more people are realizing it and more and more people are seeing the inside. And I just want to say that when you're struggling, whether it is with, um, if you are in the U.S. and you are struggling with suicidal thoughts, you can call or text uh, 988 and uh, it will give you a live person that you can talk to. And it's anonymous. You don't have to give them your information, but they can also uh, point you in the direction if you want to further do something. Um, also, not many people know this, but if you are having those, like, instant thoughts and you're scared for yourself, you can go to the ER. They will take care of you psychologically as well as physically. But you are definitely not alone. And I'm immensely grateful that Chloe does what she does. And she takes a lot of heat for it. And I think that it's it's heartbreaking to me. Because I'm seeing her get attacked for doing the right thing. So, <clears throat> if anybody's struggling at all, just know that you're not alone and know that your fight is not over because your kids are going to see what's going on. If you're fighting false allegations, as he said, record everything, gather your witnesses, and do not, uh, do not talk to that person after they've accused you. And honestly, if they're threatening to accuse you, my suggestion, if they're threatening to accuse you, <clears throat> would be to call the police and report it yourself before they do. So it's, it's documented as an incident report. And they will have some kind of knowledge that it could be fake. So uh, that's all I really have. Thank you so much for sharing. I really, really appreciate it. And yes, absolutely what you said about uh, gathering information and your witnesses and your proof, that is 100% correct as, as well as, you know, the children getting older part. You know, I, I'm on kind of the opposite spectrum of that as a mom where, you know, unfortunately my daughter's dad just is not somebody that is safe for her to be around under any circumstances. And so, you know, she's struggling right now at five about not being able to see her real dad and it's bothering her. But, you know, I have to stay true to myself and hope that when she's older, she'll understand. And the same thing goes for, you know, kids who are being alienated by their parents and there is no good reason to not be able to see the dad. Um, you know, they will see the truth when they're older. So uh, with that being said, though, guys, unfortunately, I do have to shut this down. Um, I really appreciate everybody who spoke and, um, you know, was vulnerable. And I really appreciate the fact that you guys do see me as a safe place. I hope to continue to be a safe place and much, much more in 2023. Whew. With that being said, I need to go take a couple puffs of my inhaler and sit in a steam shower so that I can breathe again. So I'm very sorry for those that wanted to speak and didn't get a chance to. Um, unfortunately, I just, 
you know, I'm no good to anybody if I'm not breathing. So I'm sure you guys don't mind that I cut this off. And make sure you guys stream my podcast, Roma's Man Cave. And yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) Goodbye, guys.